Welcome to the show where my friends and I tell real world stories of other world magic. My name is Peyton and I'm into it. Welcome, everybody. My name is Peyton Turner, and this is a new episode of I'm Into It. And today I have a really fantastic guest. Um, her name is Jamie Homeister, and she is also into it. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm, I'm really excited about this. And I, I was thinking um, before, um, before meeting with you today, I was thinking of how we know each other. And I'm not sure that we've actually ever physically been in the same room together unless, well, that's not true. So you, let me jump, let me jump back a little bit. So you and I are both in a shamanic two-year program Yes. together. And so we've sat in the same space together, but I don't know that we've ever actually had a conversation. And then, and then I did my podcast with Kim Reese and on the back wall, she had one of your drawings, one of your aura drawings. And I thought it was so beautiful. And, um, and I said, who did that drawing? And she said, oh, Jamie Homeister. And I'm like, oh, I've got to get her on the show. Because uh, I, cool. I haven't had an artist on yet. So I'm so excited. Great. Great. I know. I'm, I'm super excited to be here and to just share and talk with you and uh, all that good stuff that comes about. Yeah. So, so this show is all about um, following our intuition and how that serves us. And what our life was like before following our intuition and what our life is like since following our intuition. And I don't know about you, but for me, um, intuition is kind of a daily practice. I feel like I'm always um, veering off the path and getting back on and veering off the path and getting back on. And by the path, I really mean like that path of staying in alignment with my truth, listening to my intuition, listening to my spirit guides, that kind of laser focus, like I know where I'm going and this is my highest and best, you know, self. So, um, so tell me how, yeah, just going from there, tell me how that lands for you, like how your intuition shows up for you um, overall from a big picture and maybe even just from a day-to-day basis. All right. Well, big picture. I use my intuition professionally. I work with others um, to create aura paintings. I call them chakra graphs. So I dig really deeply into each layer of each chakra and we work to uncover um, any big emotions, any big feelings, any big responses that continually come up. It's actually folding out to be a blend of my shamanic practice, along Mm -hmm. with working through color and through intuition and using color as a a guiding force in intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, The colors play a specific role that work the same way as maybe oracle cards do or tarot cards do. Each one stands alone with its own meaning, but together they form a cohesive story about maybe what a soul is going through, what they're experiencing in their lifetime, uh, or and even in just that year in particular, I try to bring things down into a manageable focus of what's happening that year and what's happening for them. So my intuition is really important because um, even though that these colors each have their own symbology, each their own meaning assigned to them, in order to be able to navigate through the larger thread, I need to be able to have my intuition to flow freely so I can make associations between each colors and the way that they respond to one another and bring that in a cohesive manner 
to the person sitting in front of me or my client, wherever they are in the world, in a way that is relatable and in a way that they can actually use to facilitate some change in their lifetime and in their life for that year, especially. And in, in regards that's, that's to that, a, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say in the larger picture, being able to navigate my own life, being able to navigate through being a deeply emotional being myself, someone who's very empathic and in tune to energy and attuned to other people's energy. Um, You know, my work has made me extremely sensitive. And I think I've always been very sensitive, but at least it's helped me to narrow my focus on my sensitivities and use them in a manageable way and Mm -hmm. use them in a way that helps to bring a about um, positive change in other people and and positive change in myself because I see so much of myself reflected back in the stories of those who sit with me. Um, And so my intuition helps me navigate through some of those big emotions that I have and navigate through past traumas and find a way to be, uh, to live in a way that is in a better alignment with who I am in my core self and my true self and stand strong in my integrity. Wow. Well, there is like just in that few minute statement, there's so much to unpack, like so many little juicy nuggets. So I'm going to do my best here to unpack it. So um, for the the viewers and the listeners, um, can you, um, I know about, I know a little bit, probably enough to be dangerous, but, but not enough to be effective, but uh, about the, the chakra system in the body yeah. and, and the colors. And there are certain colors that are associated with each chakra. So you've got that going on. But I think that what you're speaking to about colors is you're also talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, colors with outside of the individual chakras, but within their, the person's aura in general. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, colors, if, if they were to sit in front of like a, um, the killer in, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but photography where, you know, they were to get a photograph of what's going on in their aura system. Like what, if, if they were to get a, 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 just a picture reflected back, my chakra graphs actually line up pretty well with that situation and, and to line oh, up well amazing. with what the camera shows. So it, goes with um it goes deeper than that though because i use it as my way of expression to find my to navigate my way around through my own intuition Mm -hmm. so i may see colors that maybe are not picked up in the photographs or i may see colors that don't necessarily mean anything to the person but the relationship that i have with the colors helps me to navigate through the information that spirit is trying to send me about the person does that make sense yeah it makes sense and and i hear here's i want to use an example to illustrate that so there are each each color and and stop me if i get get this um if i'm not right with this but each color has a symbolic meaning and so you're seeing when you're doing an artistic rendition of somebody's aura, you're seeing the colors that are in their aura that are the same that would show up as if they had a picture of their aura taken. And I've actually had that done out in Sedona and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like, mine was like all red. Like, I mean, the whole thing, <laughs> she, pulled, oh, she peeled the top. yeah, she peeled the top off of it. And we were both just like, Whoa, it was just like red everywhere. But um, so you, so you're seeing the, you're, in the picture, you're including a representation of whatever color you see in their aura, which would pretty much match up with a photograph, an aura photograph. But then there are 
you're, you're, um, you have assigned, you, Jamie, have assigned certain meanings to different colors that help you interpret what's going on with their energy field. Is that correct? Absolutely. I use 108 colors that I've arranged with certain expressions, with certain emotions, life traits that are going on, circumstances that are happening in someone's life, how their responsiveness is, is occurring, what they're responding to. So, you know, not only do I have the standard um, traditional or non-traditional, I guess, the Western definitions of the seven chakra colors, yeah. but also 108 additional resources that I can rely on in order to understand the colors that come up in someone's energetic body. Yeah. And those 108 colors have meanings for you that they might mean something different for, for another person who is doing an aura reading. Absolutely. It's whatever, whatever association someone has with these particular colors. Like, so for lemon yellow, for me, and this kind of relates anxiety, this, this shell shows me that someone is really up in their head that they've got maybe some circular thinking happening that Mm -hmm. they are using caution in order to navigate through whatever circumstance or situation is going on in their lifetime. Whereas other people or someone else may have a positive association with lemon yellow. They may consider that to be a very joyful color, very uplifting. So really it all, it's, it's my own relationship to these colors that helps me Mm -hmm. to understand what is coming up in the charts and the colors that are used and expressed through that. Yeah. The, the thing that uh, that's coming up for me that, um, that I can liken with my own experience is when I was doing um, and when I do, I don't do it as much now as I used to, but when I'm doing uh, mediumship readings and I've got the spirit of a past loved one there and they show me like a sapphire or a pearl or something like that. Um, it's not the sapphire or the pearl specifically. That's, that's, the thing, it's the symbol that that means their birth month. Absolutely. So I have an association with spirit that means when they show me like a gemstone or something like that, I know that they're probably talking about a birth month, not the fact that this person that I'm, you know, doing the reading for has a pearl necklace of theirs that they, you know, that they need to dig up and find somewhere, you know? Right, right. That's so for you, it's, it's with colors. You have yep. each color has a specific meaning and you and spirit have this language almost with, with the yep. colors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. So tell me, how did this all, um, so you're, I think I personally think that it's, this is a very unique gift to be able to take colors and translate them into meaning um, and have it land for a client in a way that can affect change in their life. So I'm interested how um, this association and this, this um, real draw, this internal draw to colors showed up for you. Like, how did this all start? I mean, when oh, that's a big story. You. Yeah. Like, yeah. So let's, I mean, I'm interested to know, cause this doesn't, you know, there's lots of different um, intuitives out there and practicing intuitive. So everybody has intuition. Everybody has the ability to tap into yeah. intuition. Everybody has the ability to see um, and, and, and hear the spirits, the spirits of past loved ones and spirit guides and angels and all this kind of stuff. And what I found is that it shows up differently for different people. So for you, yeah. it showed up as colors. So tell me the yeah. story, like how did that unfold for you? Yeah, so actually my journey began with mediumship. Um, I was really disassociated with who I was. I was still, this was in my early 20s. I was really living in my trauma and I was living through my trauma day to day. I had no connection to who I was spiritually. I had no connection to myself as an individual. Um, And when 30 came around, my Saturn return hit and all of a sudden, you know, there was this momentous, 
occasion where um, I knew, I just knew in my core that I was not living the life that I had planned to live. That tell me, things tell me, were just, yeah, tell me, about, tell me about that. Like, what can you describe that moment? That aha yeah, moment? Yeah. Absolutely. I totally remember it. Um, I was, so I had taken up art. And I began to do art when I was 23 years old or 24, actually. And I actually found my way through feathers. I began my artistic career by painting on feathers. And I had no real, I mean, my inspiration was because I grew up in Canada and I grew up around a lot of Native American art. And I remember all the beautiful fans that they used to construct. Um, I really revered the way that they could use beadwork and create stories through their, through their art. And I just held so much joy in what they created. And um, when it was offered to me to, to begin painting on feathers or just try painting on feathers for someone else to display in their shop for themselves, um, I took the challenge on and I hadn't really any artistic skill at that point. So my first ones came out clunky and they came out kind of janky and, you know, they, they just weren't very good. But the more that I kept at it, the more that a real talent to display the um, essence of the animal began to show through. And within three years time, I had went viral across the world with my intricate paintings on feathers. And so I became one of the leading artists who did feather work in, across the globe. And even though I had this wonderful following, even though I had this, you know, collectors all over the world seeking one of my pieces, I was still really unsatisfied. I was very shallow. I was very afraid. I was just totally um, indebted to other people's opinions of me. And I knew that something was wrong. I knew yeah. that that wasn't who I was meant to be. And so one day I was trying to paint a feather and I was just so overwhelmed with my big feelings that I didn't know how to navigate around that I went to my bedroom and I remember I just dropped to my knees and I just prayed and I hadn't prayed in years. I hadn't had any spiritual connection in years. I, I began reading tarot when I was 12, but I, I had escaped that when I had hit my twenties, I had lost connection to that. Um, and so I just prayed to anyone out there listening to the universe who I thought had abandoned me. And I just said, I am not living the life that I was meant to live. I know that I'm not. And I really need your help now. And what happened was almost within a week's time, everything in the earth just sort of went cockeyed, you know, my <laughs> I couldn't step on the ground correctly. I felt just totally like everything had just shifted for me. I began to get these really debilitating migraines and nerve pain in my neck. And I was no longer able to even hold a spoon, let alone a paintbrush. And so this created this tremendous fracture from this person that I thought I was, this artist, this label that I had just clung to, just so desperate to cling to. Mm -hmm. And I could no longer be that person anymore. And so the only thing that I could do is lie flat on my back. That was the only thing that I could figure out how to do and just do it okay and not be sick or not be in pain. And I began to learn how to meditate because that was enough to take me away from the pain that I was experiencing. But yeah. in that meditation, I 
quickly began to hear voices. And these weren't voices in my ears, but these were more of my own voice reflected back internally. But they were saying things that I wouldn't normally say to myself. They presented this wisdom, this counsel. And then soon these voices with them came up like the smells of honey and sage and juniper and rosemary. And the more conversations and the more time that I made to have with these voices, the more I began to really learn about myself and the more um, my natural talents, these suppressed ones began to unfold. And very quickly, I had learned that I was a medium, a spirit medium. Mm -hmm. And so I began to really focus my efforts on learning this mediumship and learning everything I could about what it meant to be an empath. Um, And just my journey really accelerated at a just a lightning speed, it felt like. And the next couple of years was really concentrated on this. But I also had a tremendous amount of fear. And I was terrified of sitting with someone and hearing them tell me that I was wrong, that I was, you know, just way off base. So the only way that I could navigate through my mediumship is by doing text messages. So I conducted... (laughs) Hundreds of readings through text messages. It was the most excruciating process ever, but it was the only one that I could feel safe. And what that taught me without having the visual of seeing someone and without having the audio of hearing someone, what that space actually did was created this wonderful pocket for me to perform blind readings. And I never had that feedback from somebody else to sway me. I never had that kickback. I never got those cues. And I just taught myself the ability on how to connect to someone. And I learned about my skill sets through that manner in a way that I could connect to somebody's energetic body and tell them everything about them, you know, where they were sitting in their home, what colors they were wearing, uh, connecting to their loved ones who had crossed over. Just this huge plethora of talent came out of me. Mm-hmm. And that brought up so much confidence in me. And um, that really helped me to learn how to believe in myself and stand on my own two feet. Color came very quickly after um, because I started to learn how to do Reiki. And through mm-hmm. Reiki came this opportunity to actually sit in community and sit with somebody's energetic body and speak with them one on one. And in order to manage that fear, that just toxic, potent fear that I had about a rejection, I would sit and I would draw them in a stick man form. And I would ask my spirit team to show me where there were energetic blockages or anything that I needed to know. And we would circle areas of the body and I would be able to show these people the drawings before we even met. And I'm like, look, I drew you, you know, this is what's (laughs) wrong. And they're like, holy crap, that's right. You know, this is what's going on with me. And it color quickly came after that. Um, And I use that ability, like even now today, I don't meet the person before I give the reading. I don't, I actually do all of the artwork beforehand. Mm -hmm. I read the artwork totally. I have the reading set and ready to go before I sit down and actually meet with a person. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings a lot of fun to it. I think that brings a lot of mystery and magic to the process because it's like, here's all these things that I can tell you about what's really churning inside of you. And and you can resonate with 90% of that. It's just a really validating and rewarding experience for the other party and, and for myself too. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I will second that. Like I so, 
I mean, there are gifts with both doing in-person readings and also doing blind, what, what you're calling blind readings. And a blind reading is for me is where I just, I just have your name, your permission, and sometimes, yeah. sometimes your age, and then I'll just sit down and tune into spirit and get what I get. And yeah. then we'll, and then we meet and I go over everything and then, you know, inevitably new stuff comes in, but there's so much, um, there's so much power in that. And it is very validating. It's, it's, and, the, and what, and what needs validation, right? It's not our divine self. It's our ego that needs the validation, yeah. but, you know, yeah. but that we're human. And so we have an ego. So validation is kind of nice, but, um, but I, I'm with you on that. I love, I prefer to do cold blind readings. Like I'll do the reading ahead of time and, you know, we'll, we'll sit and talk about it. Um, so man, Jamie, that's a fantastic story. Like (laughs) what an amazing story. So I want to go back to the moment where you were, where you got really sick, you know, you fell to your knees in your bedroom. You said, I know I'm not, this is not where I'm supposed to be going. Um, please anybody who's listening, help me find my path. And then boom, your everything that you had, you had thought was who you were gets temporarily taken away from you. So you can't can't do you can't do the fancy feather drawings anymore. Right. You can't, you can't be, you can't be in that circle that, that, you know, that high, um, you, you can't be that famous person anymore. Right. And, and you get these physical disabilities. And so then you lay on your Reiki table and, and you start to hear, you know, the voices, the inner voices, the inner guides. And I really love that because I also hear, um, hear voices and it sounds like my own voice, but it's not mine. Yeah. So people are like, well, what does it sound like? I'm like, well, it's not like I hear your grandmother talking to me, but I hear it in my own voice, but it's not my words. So I appreciate that. So you're sitting, so you're laying on your table and you're, and you're listening to these um, voices of, you know, spirit or your spirit guides, and they're teaching you about all of these natural things. So how did that help your physical symptoms? Um, you know, I think the only thing that helped my physical symptoms was time. This is still something that I navigate through. I I navigate through autoimmune disorders. I still navigate through, um, migraines, having to work, work around that in a way that can help me, um, still do what I came here to do, but also still honor the body and the trauma of the body. And I really think that I'm just in one big healing crisis. I think that by, um, you know, dropping to my knees, asking for help, that just opened up my channels in a way that hadn't been open before. And it just kind of flooded my system and my central nervous system. And um, up with the uprising of all of this, this disability also came the memories and it allowed me to be able to begin that journey and that healing journey. I think that my healing crisis is still well going on. And I mean, this is like year seven, year eight, um, but it is manageable now. And I am able to manage um, the symptoms that began so long ago, but, but still it doesn't cripple me to the point now where I can no longer do what I came here to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I, I really, of course, this is, you know, divine intervention that you bring this up, but I love that you bring up the autoimmune stuff because that that's um, a diagnosis that I have as well. And I am very passionate about the fact that me following my intuition has, has helped my healing journey with that. Yeah, you know, I, I am, I am recovered 
I feel from my autoimmune issue. And it's, it's, it was a 10 year process. I mean, it was a long journey, um, but really truly tuning into spirit and trusting my own intuition and, and being willing to get on this path, this journey of, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, I, I, I often say it's not for the faint of heart, you know, this, this healing path. I mean, because just the minute that you think that you've gotten through all the layers, it's like, oh, hey, here's another right. one, <laughs> you know, and this one's real deep. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's to the point now where it's like, okay, yeah, like I'm sitting in my, you know, sitting in my crap and I'm like, okay, now I know, I know that when this, all this stuff comes up, all these, you know, trauma or memories of past lives or whatever. Um, and I know when I'm really in the thick of it, that right on the other side is something really beautiful. So I understand the path now, but, um, but I, I think that there are so many healers out there who struggle with physical stuff because, um, it's just part of our, you know, we, we heal others so that we can heal ourselves. Yeah. So that we can heal others. Like that's the path of the healer. Um, and for me, what's been coming in most recently is that my, you know, my job, my, my, my calling is at least my next calling is to really help people with autoimmune disease, do that deep spiritual healing. Because I, I know that you, I don't know, but I imagine that you probably agree with me that without spirit in your life, without into, without following your intuition and, and being in this, you know, the shamanic path, the um, intuitive path, the creative path, um, you know, that is the thing that has helped you heal the most, like getting to those, uncovering those deep energetic wounds and healing them so that your body then can follow suit. Absolutely. The doctors were perplexed. They had no answers for me on what was going on. All of my tests came back negative. It was just really running in a circle for so many years. And only recently have we gotten a, a few answers. Yeah. Um, but it was following my intuition. It was listening to my guides. And I deeply credit my shamanic practice for yeah. helping me get to the heart of some of it, like the core of these energetic wounds and being able to um, cleanse out that infected area and, and be able to facilitate real change in my life without yeah. it. I don't even know where I would still be, you know, I would still be circling the drain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, m myself included. And it's, it's funny because people, I think that the modern society looks at things like shamanism and mediumship and, you know, intuitive chakra and aura drawings as quote unquote new age and kind of woo. Right. And in actuality, you no, know, like this is our true human nature. Like right. this is how we're supposed to be like connected to the all and everything is is who we are. And the further yeah. way we get from that, the sicker we become. It's yeah. only in coming back to that connection that we experience true healing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I just, I love, well, thanks for sharing your story. It's something that I'm really passionate about. And I, you know, um, I'm interested to know, like, so you draw, so one of your, one of your things that you do now for your healing practice is to draw, actually draw the pictures for the clients. Um, where you're drawing their, the colors of their energetic field and you're getting information on what's in balance, what's out of balance, and maybe some of the, um, the root cause or the root issues for some of the imbalances. But then how does that translate? I know that just getting that information, having been the recipient of information like that in the past, just receiving the information is sometimes all it takes to move the imbalance. But then do you do anything beyond just talking to the to your clients about, about their imbalances? You mentioned that you um, studied Reiki. So do you also do energetic 
balancing for your clients as well as doing the, the pictures and the diagrams? So, um, yeah, my practice went there for a while, but then I had a relapse in my autoimmune disease. So I'm really in this ebb and flow period right now where it's, I, I can do the, I can honor my energy can honor the orographs or the, the chakra graphs with the person. And I can deliver these very in-depth one hour readings and we sit down and it's not just, um, I just don't coat the surface, you know, like we get really down and we get really specific with what's going on and where and why. Um, And, and right now that's where I'm at. Now, before I was able to merge the orographs with shamanic practice and my shamanic practice and shamanic work where Mm -hmm. that was applicable, where spirit said, this is a good space to do this in, Um, you know, I always follow that guidance. Uh, But right now, my capacity is really my capacity and I'm at max yeah. with just completing these readings. My wait list is about 900 people. So I have a huge, like I have a huge, I have a huge outpouring of energy and being yeah. able to maintain that and to be able to, to work with so many folks. And that's just with humans. That's not even including the animal chakras because I also work with animal communication as well. Oh, and so I paint their animal and, and that I get to be a little bit more creative because I'm able to actually draw the animal and paint the animal through my wildlife history yeah. and my wild artistry, and then bring forward the chakras through that. So it's, yeah. uh, it's kind of merging both past history and present. And that's a really wonderful outlet for me to do as well. Yeah. And I love, I love that you brought up the, um, the tending to self. I think that's so important. Um, I think that that is part of, um, I think that every healer who's been doing it for a long, for a while knows that um, we can push our boundaries and we can want to give and give and give and give and give. And in actuality, what we've got to do is take care of ourselves first. And, and it is, I'm not sure that the, um, that people who aren't in a healing practice understand like what a um, expenditure of energy it can be to hold space for a client in that way. And I I do think that we, at least I, and I don't know, I'm interested to see what you think about this, but I feel like where I am now, having been in this practice for three years, my, my vibration is in a much higher space and I'm able to hold way more energy and manage more energy than I was when I first started. Right. Um, And, and, um, and just because I can do more now than I could, then I still need to be, um, it's, I mean, it's a constant being very mindful of, okay, where am I today? Energetically, what can I handle? How many, I know there's a lot of people I want to help, but, but who, you know, what is in my highest and best, because that's going to be in everybody else's highest and best. Right. And that was a really hard lesson for me because immediately I wanted to be as, as, as far reaching as I could. And it was important to me to attend to all of these people who were very interested in my work, not from like a business perspective, because I don't consider my work a business. I consider it a practice. It's a spiritual practice that I welcome and unfold my guest into. I know I've used the word client throughout this process, but really I consider them guests. You know, they're guests yeah. in Space. They're guests in this practice. We're co-receiving here. You know, I'm just offering my talent in order for the exchange of their energy. Um, yes. 
And, uh, but so I wanted to immediately help as many people as I could. And I relapsed so badly into my autoimmune issues that I couldn't even get out of bed for like four months. I was so sick and I have a young family. I can't do that. I've got children. Like I really, that was a very hard lesson for me, but it was one that I take very seriously. So now, even though I've got this big wait list. My goal instead is to teach other people how to give chocograph readings and maybe just, or even learning my way through art so they can find their own way through art and merge the two gifts together or find their intuition through art and color. So they're inspired to go out and have their own practice and they can help other people. And that just, that can just spread rather than me just feeling like I just have so many that are waiting on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh, absolutely. And I think that's the next evolution, really. It's, it's, you know, we all start with doing these readings and then it's about truly, and this has been my mission this whole time. It's like, I, I am not teaching you or giving you anything that you don't already know yourself. Right. You know, I'm just, I'm just tuned in, in a way that I can see it. Yeah. And, and I, my whole goal with, with my clients is that I empower them to figure it out on their own. Yeah. You know, like, like just like, I'm going to teach you how to, how to tap into your own intuition so that you don't need me anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? I don't want people to become dependent on me. I only give readings once no, a year. No, no. Once a year. That's your limit. <laughs> like, I don't want you. To yeah. Yeah. So find like, your own way. Yeah, absolutely. No. And, and that, and that's really what it's all about. It's about empowering people. And it's funny that you mentioned um, that you don't even like to call them clients anymore. I, um, I recently opened up um, my practice of doing medical intuition again, and I been, had been talking to Barbara Blecker, who you and I both know, she's our, our shamanic mentor, one of them. And I texted, I texted her and I said, well, or maybe it was even maybe on a phone call. I don't know. But I said, well, I said, I'm back in business. And she goes, no, she goes, you're back in service. Yeah. And I went, oh, you're right. Yes. I love that. Like if I, and that was really, those words were so life-changing for me and and just thinking, okay, how can I be of service? Yeah. And then as long as, and the thing, another thing that I love about the shamanic path is, is that as long as we are um, being of service, then we are taken care of. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and, and so it's, it's to just focus on being in, of service and not focus on what I need to be to be of service. Yeah. Just, just do the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And it can be hard when you're trying to run something like, cause you, you do need to have some sort of boundary practice in place. You know, we, there is an exchange of money that's happening. So it's kind of this dance that needs to happen in order to be grounded in the real world, but at the same time, channel in so much energy and so much healing energy and be of service to your community as well. Yes. Like I recently had to change my offering where I, I decreased my pricing because mm-hmm. the community needed that adjustment because of COVID, you know, people lost their jobs, people needed to, to people still that doesn't change the fact that they still wanted guidance or needed some help or needed to feel realigned or back or sitting back in service with spirit themselves, right. And so um, it was about adjusting to my community's needs. And I feel like that was an act of service too, because that was responding to my community rather than my own mind, my monkey mind saying, well, it's another year, let's increase those prices to help with you know inflation or whatever um but 
but it is that just speaks of the power of service and um, being willing to adjust course when needed and being willing to listen to that, mm-hmm. uh, that inner honoring that says, hey, this is how we can be in the right place for folks that are coming to you or whatever. Yeah. And I love that. It's like, it, how, it's a fine line between being of service to others and being of service to self. Yeah. Like they both, Thank you for summarizing that. Yeah. They, they both, um, they're both so important and more so, you know, again, like being of service to self first so that you can be of service to others. And that's where, you know, that's where the whole boundary thing comes in, you know, yeah. like why, why do we even create boundaries? Well, we create boundaries so that we can, number one, retain our own energy. Number two, not accept energy that's not ours. And number three, so that we can really, really tune into um, what we need, you yeah. know, so the boundary, like kind of creating a boundary aside from like retaining our energy and, and rejecting an energy that we don't want. It also allows, um, allows space where we can um, really tune in. It gets rid of all the noise, yes. necessary noise you know, from, from spouses or from kids or from jobs or from COVID or from the news or from social media or for whatever. It's like creating boundaries helps to get rid of the noise so that you can sit in the quietude and really tap in. And that, that for me, I don't know how it shows up for you, but for me, it's just a constant, you know, coming back around and coming back around, you know, like always, you know, I I stray away from it and I start to feel like crap. And then I come like, okay, here, well, I need to come back around again, you know, come back to center every time. Yeah, that's exactly what I do as well. So that's, uh, I'm glad that you articulated that because I, I, I feel that I'm constantly weaving back and forth, back and forth. And for me, my own practice to get back into myself is to journey and to journey every single day. And it just yeah. takes five minutes or 10 minutes, but it's enough to, to drink back the, to, to drink the cup you know, from the cup again, that revitalizes me and that keeps me feeling sharp and keeps me feeling attuned and keeps me feeling connected to the greater purpose or the greater cause. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Well, I, so there's one other question before we get to um, the messaging part of the podcast, I wanted to ask you, what do you think um, in this journey of yours and the spiritual journey of yours has there been anything that on the surface or initially, or while you were in the thick of it felt like um, an enemy, but you can look back on it now and say, in actuality, that was really my ally in disguise. Oh yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I have so many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's so many moments to call upon. Uh, Fear has been a big one. Fear, I felt like uh, just being led by fear through my whole life, you know, just from having a very traumatic childhood, um, just a very traumatic childhood. I felt like fear was the enemy, but really fear has been an ally that's helped me reroute myself and and stay in line and stay um, safe and sound. Another one was actually meeting my power animal for the very first time. Uh, Spirit was the one that introduced me to shamanic work. It was um, in that moment moment of sickness that I had and I started journeying and I had no idea what it was Mm -hmm. but there was a hole that opened up in the ground for me and there was a snake that was waiting outside of it and uh 
you know, the snake didn't talk to me, but it kept trying to thwart me away from going into the hole. And here I was thinking that this, that this was something sinister, that this was something evil. I was prescribing, you know, a, a Christian belief or whatever you'd have it and an Orthodox religion uh, to the interpretation of snake rather than just sitting down and have a conversation with them saying, hey, you don't have the skill sets yet to do this safely. Let's wait. You know, there's ways you can have get around this. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a long time, snake kept showing up for me in dreams and in, and in all my time going down the porthole and all these things. And I thought for sure this animal was trying to kill me. And it real and it was only until I took a shamanic journey class with Gina Millard and we met our power animal was it snake. And I was like, Oh my God, the light went off. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I don't even know if that's what you were asking in that regard, but um, you know, Spirit once told me that sometimes the things that we're the most afraid of are our greatest helpers. And yeah. I've always I've always took that to heart. And I've always tried to remember that moving forward, that the things that I'm most afraid of are really our, our bravest helpers that are trying to help us navigate through some really big, big moments in our life and big emotions. Yeah. And I, you know, I love this. Languaging is so important. And Um, shifting language from a place of, um, you know, enemy to ally in disguise, Mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden you look at all of the things that you think are trying to take you down and you realize that they're actually there to, to help you discover who you really are. Absolutely. And, And I love, I love that. It doesn't, doesn't mean that I would want to come across some of those again. Um, you know, my own quote unquote enemies or allies in disguise it like I can encounter you again for the rest of my life and be just fine. Um, however, for me, what it's done is it's taken me, it's taken me out of victim mode and put me into an empowered place. Yes. You know, yes, absolutely. When, when, when I can look at what I thought was an enemy and say, Oh no, actually you were there to help me. And, and then that gets me out of this victim mentality that I think so many people tend to fall into. And, and just, you know, sometimes we have to live the victim role for a while to realize that we don't want to be that way anymore. Yeah. Oh, I spent my entire life there. And it wasn't until I started down the shamanic path that I was able, you know, the, the snake also or snake medicine was also a really strong representation of where I was at. I was running away from my own power. I was terrified. I was relishing that victim role because that's what I had been my entire life. You know, I'd been a foster yeah. kid for my my childhood. And I never had a safe place. I cycled in and out of homes my whole childhood. It was just a really toxic environment. And um, it really fed that victim mentality for me. You know, everybody's out to get me. Nobody loves me. I'm isolated. I'm alone. But when I finally came to realize that snake was my helper and not my enemy, it was also looking at myself. I am not my own enemy here. I am also a helper to Mm -hmm. myself. And I can, I can, change the course of my life and I can do big things as well. And all it starts with just shifting my mind and shifting my perspective. So I just love that so much. Oh, I love it. Well, that is a beautiful transition for our next part of the podcast. So, and this is one of my favorite parts. It's funny. I, I was, um, 
you know, my partner, Peter, is the one who produces all these for me. So I just get the pure joy of sitting down and having the conversation. And then I send him the files and he puts it all together. And he said the other day, he's like, I love watching it when at the moment at which you start talking about the messages from spirit, because your face changes and you light up. And I'm like, oh, no, it's so fun. So we are moving into that. We're moving into that place where um, with your permission, um, before we met, before we met for this interview today, um, I received some messages for you from spirit. And for you, um, I was called, in, no surprise, I was called into journey. Sometimes I'll just sit down and listen and I'll write down the messages or the images that I see, but I went into journey for you. And I went into journey holding, and I'm, I'm, for the people who are watching this on video, holding this crystal, um, which is a clear quartz crystal that's um, that's something that's part of my shamanic practice. And I don't always hold it. So it was interesting. I felt called to hold that going into journey for you. Um, but I went in and, um, I, I met you, I met you in the lower world. You were waiting for me and you were holding on to a crystal also. I don't know which one it was, but you had it in your hand. Um, so I'm not sure if that's something that you often do that crystals are something that you often take with you into journey or not. Um, but we stood, we stood there in this field, which is often where I meet the spirit of clients. So, one of the beautiful things about shamanism is that you can do soul communication with people with yeah. past loved ones, with people who are still alive, with people who are, you know, comatose in the hospital. And I mean, it's it, anything you soul communication. So when I, when I see you and meet you in the lower world, I'm communicating with your highest self. And so you were like waving at me, you know, like here I am. And so I went up to talk to you and I said, I said, you know, hi, Jamie. I said, I'm here for three messages from spirit and, and you know, for you. And you said, okay, I've got them. So the first thing is with your right hand to the right side of you, you, you drew, you had a paintbrush and this was a watercolor painting and you painted um, a scene of a beach with a giant palm tree with a coconut on it. And then the coconut fell to the ground on the sand and you came walking into the scene wearing uh, a bathing suit, a bikini. You picked up the coconut and you just kept walking down the beach. And um, I said, okay, Jamie, I said, this is a beautiful scene that you've painted. I said, is there any message for it? And you said, you said, no, I'll know what this means. Okay. So does that land for you at all? I don't have to think about it. Um... I'd have to think about that one. That one's got a couple of layers to it. It's got some layers. Okay. It's got gotcha. it. Yeah. It was something that was funny because the, the, the palm, it was this classic curved palm tree, just a single palm tree on the beach and the coconut was on top of it. And then all of a sudden it just dropped and fell to the sand and then okay. you just came and picked it up and you walked, walked on down the beach. Okay. Okay. So that was the first thing. Um, then, then you, that, so you did that off to your right-hand side. Then you turned and faced me and you drew the outline of a Christmas tree cookie cutter. Okay. And you handed me the Christmas tree cookie cutter. And I said, okay, where's, what's the message with this? And you said, tell me to make sugar cookies and see what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that I can't bake. <laughs> I'm not a great baker, um, but I, I do love to experiment in all sorts of mediums. And I do love to be creative in all sorts of mediums. And trees are just my favorite. Any sort of tree just really 
gets my heart feeling grounded and it just makes me feel very expansive. And um, pine is my favorite scent. It's one that I lock into. I love that you use the left and right representation in your journeys because left and right have their own symbol symbology for me in my readings, right? Mm -hmm. The right hand side is the side of the yang of the masculine. And it tells about what we're building in the world and what we're crafting and that the right side is, is or the left hand side is the yin. It's all about what's going on in our psyche and the internal stories that we're telling. So when I shared that, you know, your coconut one, I'm still mulling over it because that can be so deeply layered for me because this is all about what's happening on under the surface, you know, yeah. so what, what treasure am I not fully looking at here? What am I just carrying with me? And what am I not opening up and receiving from what gift is waiting for me here and that I'm not fully accessing if I could just stop and take the time to look at it or to just yeah. nourish it or enjoy it so yeah and it, it you know the thing um and that you know this to be true I'm sure with the work that you've done um reading for other people is that um I might tell you about this coconut thing today and next week you're gonna it'll hit right. you and be like yeah. oh my god that's the coconut so yeah you know, when we look in at the sugar cookies and the, and the fact that of all the things that they, all the things that you could have drawn to, about a sugar cookie, it was a pine tree and that pine is something that's, that's special to you and trees are something that's special to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pine especially though, pine trees are very special to me because it's one of my favorite scents. So it's, it's what I go to. It's what I turn to when I want to feel grounded and when I want to feel cleansed energetically. So very good. Very good. And then you turn to your left um, and you painted a giant rainbow over the whole horizon. And it was again with watercolors and they were kind of dripping down in certain areas, but it was a beautiful rainbow. And then fly, I could see that there was something flying above the rainbow and it looked, it looked, it was in the distance. And so it was just kind of the out, like a dark outline, but it looked like a huge bird. And um, I couldn't decide at first, I thought it was a Phoenix. And then I landed on that. It looked to me like a dragon. Oh, and cool. So I looked at you and I said, um, you know, is it a phoenix? And you said, no, it's a dragon. And I said, okay, what's the message here? And you, and you said, just tell it to me. I'll know what it means. So it was this giant reptile. Oh, invasive. <laughs> yeah, right? And it had this, it had this tail, like this kind of, now that I think about it, snake-like tail. That's how I decided that it wasn't a phoenix and it was a dragon because its tail was kind of reptilian in the way that it was flying. But it was just an over this beautiful rainbow that you painted with these beautiful colors. So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And now, so, I mean, you're talking about magic and using the, the magic and the thrill of magic with color. I mean, that's what immediately comes to mind. But just like you said, I mean, I'll think about these over the next couple of weeks, or maybe I'll just stop thinking about them at all. And then it'll just kind of come into me and I'll have this knowing, um, um you know, thinking about the magic of watercolor and thinking about using the magic of color in order to express myself artistically and um, but also to connect to the magic of spirit, because I really feel like connecting to spirit um, is just such a, a rewarding process. And it is such a magical process because we conceptualize nothing into something for other people. Yeah. Right. It's just a beautiful yeah. So maybe it's like, maybe it's just like Puff the Magic Dragon, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. It was a beautiful read. I mean, it was super clear, super, I mean, it was not, you know, sometimes when you go into journey, um, it can be a little muddied, but no, I mean, it was, yeah. it was super clear. So cool. Very yeah. cool. Thank so, you. So yeah, you're so welcome. So at this time, Jamie, as we're starting to wrap up, um, you have an option to kind of give a gift to the audience. And so 
Um, yeah, so I'm interested to see what that may be. It could be something as simple as a poem or, I mean, yeah, anything. Yeah. So I went to Spirit for this because I wanted to make, because there were so many options, right? I'm like, do I paint a picture? Do I use color? Like, what do I do here? And Spirit asked me directly to share a story. And it's a story about timing. And so what happened was, this is actually a story that I told um, that came to me in Journey uh, several years ago, but it's kind of been lost in the archives and kind of forgotten about. Um, and so this, this story just kind of came back to surface again recently through a memory. And they were like, well, there's a reason for that, right? There's a reason why you remember this, you're getting ready to meet with Peyton. Um, and it's about grandmother spider. So Black Widow appeared to me in a ceremony that when I was working with another client's energy or a guest's energy, and she stood 10 foot tall in my living room. And, you know, her back grazed the top of the ceiling when time with the exhales of her breath. And she hung her massive frame downward to meet me face to face. And I just saw myself reflected like a thousand times in her eyes. And so I said, okay, grandmother spider, I see you and I acknowledge your presence. What is it that you want me to know? And so satisfied that I saw her correctly, she shrank down to the size of a spider that we would normally see. And she began to climb up the single golden thread. And she said, all stories of the ancient ones are stored in the threads of the spider. And like strands of your DNA, we hold the records of these tellings and help spin the strands of thoughts into complex but cohesive structure. All the great tellings are retellings the story makers adapted. And the story makers must learn to come forth in new ways to reach the people of their times. So the winter spider, you know, reached the top of the golden silk, which was tied to the hand of an abuela in the sky. So a grandmother in the sky. Mm -hmm. And spider climbed into the abuela's palm. And abuela just went and swallowed her whole. And as she opened her mouth, she rolled out her tongue and hundreds of millions of baby black widows poured from her belly. And each spun their own golden thread and dangled from their fingers, lowering themselves onto the people of the earth. And so I watched as each one of these spiders bit a person, and that person became intoxicated by an idea, a telling of truth or a story that was never really known to them. And some acted on the inspiration immediately and began to furiously record the idea down. Some fantasized about it in its perfection, while others hoarded the idea in fear of losing it to another. Those who chose to keep the idea in fantasy or in fear, the widow spider flipped over and showed its belly a red hourglass. Time was ticking and the idea began to wane. No longer were the words present. No longer was the idea whole. The spider's gift, the toxin of the memory from the great grandmothers had worn off on the mind of the living. And off spider went to find someone new to share its gift with. Those that honored the teaching through retelling, they received more intention and more inspiration until the singular strands of thought had been spun into a web that be capable that became capable of nourishing life on its own. So it was just this beautiful, immersive story about how we we receive so much and we bring life to things when we're not hoarding ideas, when we're not hoarding mm -hmm. trips or tricks and tips on how to do maybe the artwork that we're doing or how we are connecting to spirit in ways that maybe other people would really benefit from hearing when we're so willing to create community rather than just 
focus on the journey of the self? Are we really creating this wide web and cohesive structure of these golden strands that connect all of us? And I just, I've forgotten about the magic of that story. And even telling it again now, it brings goosebumps over my body because it reminds me the importance of showing up for community and being willing to show up for ourselves in that respect too. Yeah. Oh, I, well, that was a fantastic story. I mean, amazing. I, I, for me, um, the grandmothers, maybe not the grandmother spiders, but the grandmother imagery is really, really powerful. And, and they've been showing up a lot lately. Like the grandmothers just show up everywhere. Like the ancient grandmothers in my shamanic practice, my own grandmothers who are past grandmothers for, you know, for clients that I have show, I mean, grandmothers are freaking everywhere these days. Um, but yeah, it's, but yeah, it's, it's the build and it's, it's teaching through storytelling, like just sharing your story, you know, people, people hold tight to their story and they don't share because of fear, um, or because they're afraid they won't get it right. Um, and in actuality, like just sharing the story, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm super passionate about that. Um, just sharing the story creates community. It does. And how important is it that you create this space where every person that you meet get to share the story of where they've become um, into this person that they are now? And and, um, not only does it help maybe the viewers that are listening to feel to normalize some really wicked and wild situations in life, but it also helps create this sense of grounding in us. You know, I really appreciate this space that you let me come into today. You know, thank you for it. It's been wonderful. Absolutely. I mean, this was just a pure joy, Jamie. So I, I learned so much. Um, and this was just so easy and so much fun. And thank you for being willing to sit with me in this space. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. So how can people get in touch with you? All right. So people can get in touch with me through my Instagram, which is just my name, Jamie Holmeister, or through my webpage, um, jamieholmeister.com. Also, chakragraphs.com will bring you there as well. Facebook, same name, at Jamie Holmeister. You can just search me up and there I'm at. So um, either of these ways, either of these mediums, I'm available. Great. And I'll include that in the show notes so people can find you there as well. Um, Thank you. I'll tag you on, on the socials. So, um, well, again, it's just been an honor. Thank you so much, um, Jamie Holmeister, for um, showing up today. And uh, my name is Peyton, and Jamie and I are both into it.